Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right, pal, we got a show to do. Then we got to figure out some way to collect that gate money. Get it to the Cook County Assessor's Office as soon as they open in the morning. Joliet, Jake, and Elwood Blues. Two men with a mission. And only 11 days. Don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. Our Lady of Blessed Acceleration, don't fail me now. Welcome to Rewatchability. It's the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see how they jive in the modern eye. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm Robert Blues Larone, and with me, as always, is. A plane. <laughs> and we're here to talk about a great movie, a classic, one that a lot of people love, and there's a lot to talk about. But before we get into it, we want to first of all thank our Patreons. Those are the people who give us one, three, five, really any amount of money. Yeah. And that helps us keep the podcast going, helps us keep the orphanage from closing. And uh, and some people give give pretty large donations. And so we want to thank one Patreon supporter yeah. in particular, mm-hmm. Daniel at Basehead on mm-hmm. Twitter. And uh, thank you so much. You saved our orphanage. <laughs> yeah, you saved the orphanage. <laughs> God damn it. This movie. So thank you so much for doing that. You can check out Daniel's Twitter handle at Basehead on Twitter. And uh, he makes music, uh, wonderful music. So oh, go that's check awesome. it out. Yeah. Do you think he makes blues music? I mean, not like you're making right now. This is uh, he could take. <laughs> no, don't make music like that. That's okay. that's horrible. And we are talking about the Blues Brothers today, and this is also a request. It is well, I didn't know what to do for the podcast this week, so I threw it out to one of our most frequent requesters. Nice, David <laughs> from California. Yeah, I basically asked him. His top three requests for... He sent in a lot of requests. A lot of requests. Basically, every movie I could think about, uh, he has requested. And of the three that he sent, uh, I thought Blues Brothers would be the most fun to talk about. Yeah. So here we are. Well, thank you, David, for being such an avid supporter of ours and and for being, uh, you know, so so interactional with us. It's great. We love people that send us messages. Yeah. And I also thought this movie has a few relevant points in this particular moment of time. Right. Like, first of all, this features a certain Aretha Franklin in the cast. Oh, yeah. And there's that great Aretha Franklin documentary slash... It's basically just a video of a very early concert performance by her. Yeah. And it's apparently amazing. (laughs) I I watched the trailer, and it's just uh, people listening to her and then reaction shots of them just crying. It's amazing. I want to see that so badly. Yeah. It seems so stupidly simple, and yet I am all in on that. I'm all in, too. I think we have to respect <laughs> okay. the power of Aretha. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Also, <laughs> yesterday, whatever day it was, was National Caesar Day in Canada. You know, like one of those hashtag, you know, this is the international day or national day. Of of like a Roman leader? Or no, like, no, no. Uh, the of drink? like, yes, of the drink that involves vodka, clamato juice, and a salary stick. Okay. And 
to promote this. Yeah. At least within Canada, they had Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Mm. And Dan Aykroyd of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> just drinking from a skull. Yeah, just drinking from a skull of Caesars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His, his vodka is sold in a skull, right? Yeah, That's Crystal the... Skull Vodka. It was, uh, yeah. I believe that it was advertising Indiana Jones. Right, yeah, that's what ruined the fourth Indiana Jones. It was part of what ruined it. But, yeah, he went on CBC. We'd already planned to do this movie, and he he did a, He ended up playing a uh, a blues cover with the host of Q, the new host of Q. With Colin Mockery? No, no, no. Oh, damn it. That'd be pretty good. That would be pretty good. <laughs> I miss Colin Mockery. His, he was funny on Whose Line Is It Anyway? He was funny on Whose Line Is It Anyway? I thought his off-the-cuff stuff was pretty funny. I don't know. He's a funny guy. Yeah. Funny local dude. So we're going to talk about Blues Brothers, which, yeah. Blaine, when was the first time that you saw this movie? Because it's a little bit older than some of the movies we talk about. It came out in 1980. John Landau. Yeah. I, I am uh, loath to admit it, but I have never seen this movie before. This is the first time I've ever seen Blues Brothers. I've wow. had whole conversations with people. Where they've been like, oh, yeah, Blues Brothers. And I'll be like, sure, yeah, I, I don't – yeah, I've never – and then they keep on talking and I never get to say That's I've never seen Valor. it. That's stolen valor. So I've never seen it. I watched it for the first time for this podcast. Was this like the first SNL – Movie? I believe it was the first SNL okay. movie because SNL had only started a couple years before that. Yeah. And, of course, Dan Aykroyd was amongst the first cast. Yeah. And yeah. John Belushi also, I believe, was in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah. He definitely was. This was them really breaking out. Of course, John Belushi had done Animal House prior to this, yeah. also with John Landau, who directed mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge hit in the 80s. Yeah. What, when did you first see it? I first saw it a couple years ago, and I have to admit, I wasn't a big fan. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, I grew up with the Ghostbusters. Yeah. And, you know, some of the other funnier sort of SNL sort of things. Coneheads. Oh, yeah. We all love Coneheads. Do we? We all love Coneheads. Okay. But this movie, I thought it should be up my alley. It features a lot of music. It has car crashes. I don't know why. I'm not into car crashes. You know, it has like an energy to it. It's it's. But for some reason, I did not love this movie. I sort of never really been a big fan of John Belushi. Yeah. I sort of. That's that's gonna lose us listeners right there. That's good. Yeah. Well, I think mostly like older. People are really big fans of John yeah. Belushi because he had such a, a short career. You know, yeah. he'd only done a few movies: Animal House, this, and mm. a couple more, and then that was his career. But I was very ready to sort of take another look at this because I think I have a, a better appreciation for how these movies come together. Right. I have a better appreciation for. The blues. Okay. And I wanted to uh, give it another go. So I'm glad that David suggested this because mm-hmm. it was a chance to uh, look at it through fresh eyes. And when you first saw it, did you watch it by yourself? Did you watch it with like in a group of people that loved it? I watched it with my blood brother. Okay. Who is also me. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I just cut this hand, cut that hand, smash them together. You're your own blood brother. A lot of people are marrying themselves these days. If they can do that, why can't I be my own blood brother? <laughs> Well, then I'm a blood brother with the Eiffel Tower, okay? <laughs> yeah, so I didn't, uh, I didn't love this movie. I mm. thought it was, yeah, there's right. a little bit too many car crashes. Right. It's sort of very long. And, <laughs> and the humor isn't like, it's not, uh, it's not kind of in-your-face humor. It's, it's pretty wacky, but it's also low-key, mm-hmm. which is like the tension in this movie that I found was like, all this crazy, crazy stuff happens, and then like the lines are so throwaway lines. So it's it's a, it's a weird tension for the comedy in this movie. So I I understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. but do you want to run it down for maybe people who haven't seen the who were like us? Yes. Yeah. Why well, side? So well, not you, like you. just a couple of years ago, you said. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what? Like you got to start somewhere. All right. Okay. So it starts in Joliet Prison. The guards come to a cell. They beckon for the prisoner to come over. They unlock the cell. They lead him down the hallway. We don't know where he's going, but it seems like he's going possibly to the chair. <laughs> yeah, they make it. They make it seem like he might be. This is this is a death march right here. And this 
is the longest and slowest part of the movie. Like, it seriously lasts for, it seems like, 18 minutes. The process of John Belushi, as we see him later, you know, walking down the halls, turning down this corner, going over here, they unlock this thing. Yeah. It's like the beginning of Indiana Jones, speaking of the crystal skull. It's like, we don't see his face for the longest time. And then when you see his face, you're like... Oh, yeah, that's the guy I knew that was in this movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's it pretty funny, kind of. But Well, yeah, I, I was sort of wondering, like, what the fuck is even going on here? Like, is right. this what is this supposed to be doing? But well, and, and it's even before that, it starts with, like, shots of what all, I can only assume is hell. Like, it's just factories and smoke and That is fire. Chicago. <laughs> but it kind of, I was like, I was like, oh, th- like, they're not trying to show that this is, like, the like a horrible world that they're living in they're just trying to show the city that they're in as it is and Uh everyone would recognize it and be like oh that's chicago but it's a hellscape it seems like a hellscape it's america before any regulations apparently they're just like leaking mercury into the air it's it's (laughs) nuts to see (laughs) drinking leaded gasoline (laughs) (laughs) it it looks like a post-apocalyptic landscape to begin Mm -hmm. this like movie about blues you're like how what is this movie but all of it sort of leads up to him coming out to the front and there is dan Aykroyd, and they hug yeah brothers reunited i found it really beautiful like it took a while to get there but it was just a nice a nice moment. Really, really well done, I thought. Yeah, but then he complains about the goddamn car, which is, you know, the guy's been struggling outside of prison. He hasn't had his brother with him for the band. He's been trying to make ends meet. The brother comes out of prison. He's like, what's with the – come on, man. Yeah, he picks him up in a cop car. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, you know, That's it's kind good, of funny, yeah. It's a good line. Yeah. There's a good cameo by Frank Oz there as well. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. He's the guard who's giving back John Belushi's personal possessions, yeah. which includes – one prophylactic, unused. Another prophylactic, soiled. <laughs> and Frank Oz is obviously Miss I mean, Piggy. He's well, and he's he's in this movie because he's a titular character in that HBO show. So that's pretty great that, he's, that he reprised that role. <laughs> yeah, he also played Miss Piggy in Oz, but it was <laughs> it was much more menacing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, God. But the first place that Dan Aykroyd brings his brother back is that they've got to go see, he tells them, first thing, they've got to go see the Penguin. Right. Burgess Meredith. (laughs) 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 Batman. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's the nun that runs the orphanage that they grew up in, and it turns out that uh, the orphanage didn't pay its tax bill. And Come on, so, orphanage. Yeah. Work yeah. those orphans harder. <laughs> Are they making license plates? No, that was Joliet. Never mind. So they're going to lose the orphanage to the sinister Department of Education. <laughs> that's, that's like the worst. It's like, yeah, it's not going to be an orphanage anymore, but it's going to educate kids. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's not like it's going to. About gonna... the sciences <laughs> and humanities. <laughs> it's going to teach them about evolution. Stop them. <laughs> No, it wasn't like it's like some like Walmart coming in and taking no. over. Like that would have been more menacing. It's like uh, the orphan is going to be lost to like a place where these kids will go for most of the day. Yeah. So, uh. yeah. But this is where they grew up. This is the nun that raised them, and this is also where they discovered their love of the blues, as we discover when they meet uh, when we meet their friend Curtis. And so they decide that they have to save this orphanage by raising five thousand dollars. Yeah. Now they're just going to steal it. Yeah. But that is apparently a sin. <laughs> so the nun is very disappointed in them and like basically like yeah. doesn't does nun stuff to them. Oh uh, yeah, the ruler and, and stuff. nonsense. And then <laughs> just a uh, bunch of nonsense. And then they decide that they've got to go do this thing. Yeah, well, and the thing is uh, they need to bring the band back together. Well, they don't know that yet. Okay. Because first Curtis, their old friend, the person who taught them to love the blues, played by Cab Calloway, he sends them to a church right? where they see a performance by a very enthusiastic minister, Yeah, James Brown. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and the dancing's awesome, and yeah, I love this whole scene. It's a great scene. Yeah, and I love that the Blues Brothers, like, we've only seen them so stoic so far, and then they just kind of fucking lose it, and they get into it. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think about, like, the merits of this movie, like, the things that I wouldn't have cared about 
when I first watched it a few years ago. Mm-hmm. This movie has fucking James Brown in the first 25 minutes. <laughs> right. And he sings a full fucking song. Yeah. He doesn't do like half a song and then they go over and talk about, hey, where are we going to get this money? He does the whole song. Yeah, yeah. Don't be lost when the time comes. For the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. It's a fucking great performance. No, and it's a great. It's like a. It's a little music video into itself. It's it's great for sure. Yeah, mm. I also. I mean, it's also really nice to get like a glimpse into that sort of specific cultural thing, like the black church, yeah. the African American style of worship. Mm-hmm. Like it's really. I mean, it's exaggerated. Obviously, I don't think that there's so many jumping up in the air and doing full flips. Well, there's not a lot of trampolines in churches, from what I hear. But no, because yeah. they're sinful. <laughs> trampolines are sinful. It says in the Bible, John three seventeen. Also, don't go on trampolines. <laughs> well, it's because the skirt raises above the ankle when you do. That's true, and that's that's kind of bad. Yeah, and, but this is where they get a revelation. The sun shines through the stained glass window right onto Jake Blues, mm-hmm. John Belushi, and he says they've got to get the band back together. Yeah. Which is great. Like, this is the first movie, and it's like a sequel already, which mm-hmm. I kind of like about it. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Also, I was thinking that they sort of reused this plot-type style for the Muppets Reloaded. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. where Kermit's in a bad place, and then he has to get all his friends back together. Yeah, when he gets out of jail. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. No Aretha Franklin. <laughs> no Aretha Franklin. But yeah. Frank Oz. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I also forgot to mention that Chaka Khan is somewhere in the uh, church choir, too. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. It's yeah, this cool. is like a, a, a blue-studded uh, cast they got. Yeah, and I think one of the reasons why I initially didn't really like this movie is because uh, Dan Aykroyd is kind of lame. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I think it's it's hard to make fun of any one group of people. But since we're Canadians, I think we can make fun of Canadians. And uh, fucking, yeah, I'm not I'm not on board with Dan Aykroyd. I'm yeah. not a big, big Dan fan. At the period where I grew up, he was sort of like, I mean, he sort of originated the, like a lot of like the dad tropes. The like side mem- factor stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, he... His obsession with aliens, yeah. with uh, quadruple filter vodka, <laughs> with pretending that he has, like, not pretending. I mean, remember when he did that show Soul Man? Uh, yeah. And he played, like, the preacher. And, oh, you know, right. He yeah, was yeah. just, he was so, he was lame. Okay. He was lame. I mean, Dan Aykroyd, I feel like he's always trying to, like, get something together, get his, get the band back together. He's always yeah. trying to get a Ghostbusters movie happening. <laughs> But it just doesn't happen wrote, yeah. because his ideas are bad. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's hard because I do like him in some – like in Sneakers, he's fucking awesome. I On SNL, there was amazing sketches he was in. My Girl. My Girl. Yeah, I mean, he's he's great in Britney Spears' things. Crossroads. Well, that, don't even get me started. He, he was at a crossroads in that movie. That's right. That's where the devil came and made him a deal. He played the blues. And he lost. He, he lost, lost that deal. He lost his soul to uh, the devil. But I was more speaking to his authenticity as a lame white dude trying to play blues music. Right. Yeah. He's kind of like the Damien Chazelle of the world where he's like, yeah, I can save blues. Uh, I, can make, <laughs> I can make a movie about the, a different culture's music and I can save it. But I do think that this movie has a lot of authenticity to it, which we'll talk about. And it sort of hits all the right points to sort of we're like, well, you know, I sort of think that Dan Aykroyd has a little bit of blues credibility after researching this movie. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Um, Well, we'll talk about it because I have a very different view on it. But uh, so we'll talk about that in the second half. How about? Okay. Okay. So. They decide that they've got to get the band back together. Yeah. The first place that they go is to the Holiday Inn. That's where Murph and the Magic Tones are playing. Yeah. 
Great, great name for a band. Yeah, and yeah. they're you know playing typical loungy sort of Billy Joel sort of stuff, and uh, they're pretty quick to join the band again. Yeah, because the Holiday Inn gig sucks. They're sick of their shag carpet instruments. You know, it's the whole thing is like a pink set. It's a weird setup they have going. I think they just want to escape. Yeah. So they they hop on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they move on down the line to pick up. Mike Guitar, I can't remember his last name, the guitar guy. (laughs) But his wife does not want him to join the Blues Brothers. No. No. She does not. I mean, he needs to run the the diner. That's right. That they they own. And considering that his wife is Aretha Franklin, we get to see a lot of fucking side eye in this. <laughs> we, there is some exquisite Aretha Franklin not having fucking any of it. <laughs> yeah, I saw him bleeding at some points, and it was just from her cut eye. It was amazing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, she was awesome. Matt, what the hell is he talking about? Don't get roused, sugar. Don't you don't get roused, sugar me. Now, you're not going back on the road no more, and you ain't playing in them old two-bits, lazy dive. You're living with me now. And you're not going to go sliding around with your old white hoodlum friends. But babes, this is Jake and Elwood, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers? Shit. They still owe you money, fool. And then she, like, goes full into a song, and the song is great. The tables are cleared. Everyone's dancing. It's it's an amazing bit. And, and it is the full song as well. It is a full music video. And Aretha Franklin fucking kills it. Yeah. Because she's Aretha Franklin. 30 minutes into this movie with lame Dan Aykroyd, we get a performance by James Brown and Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Did you – because we both worked at a a music hall at one point. Did you work the Aretha Franklin shows? Well, did they ever happen? (laughs) (laughs) Aretha was famous for booking a show, postponing it, postponing it, postponing it. Yeah. postponing it, and then canceling. I'm surprised that they got her in this film. <laughs> she probably canceled three or four times. She did play one show that I worked, and uh, it's weird that she postpones all the time because uh, uh, it's not weird. She was so late for this show. It was two hours late, and people waited in their seats for two hours for her to come out. It's and then Aretha. She, and then she played... <laughs> And then she played 30 minutes and left. And everyone's like, standing ovation. <laughs> it's Aretha. Because <laughs> yeah, they were like, I have paid $200 for the show. So yeah. I, I better fucking like it at this point. You um, have to. It's Your so wallet funny. can't take the pain. But I don't know. She's She was very elderly at that point in her career. And I think... Yeah, I I wouldn't want to travel either if, if I was if I was that old. And I think that if you're her booking manager or you're her her manager, you're like, I want to get more money out of you. Can we book you all these shows that you will like have to have a hip surgery before? <laughs> like, I think I think it might not have been all her fault. <laughs> so they're like, Aretha, you have a show tonight. She's like, Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I have to pass a stone, okay? So I'm not going to fu- sing a fucking show, guys. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, she's great in this movie. She's so much fun. Yeah, I do feel like a little bit, like, I feel like iffy that she gets stuck to the, like, not having it any wife part. Oh, yeah. I mean, that sucks. That's shitty. Mm-hmm. And what? why aren't you getting her in the fucking band? Like, why isn't she in the band? It's the Blues Brothers, not the Blues Brother and Sister. She's, well, she's more, she's... <laughs> I guess she's more a sister than they are brothers. And, and like, <laughs> like, so get her on fucking stage. She can sing better than either of you. Yeah. She's got more soul than either. I mean, it's just, ugh. It annoyed me to no end that they were like, yeah, well, I'll get this other guy over there and, you know, he'll play your husband. That was, I remember watching it and being like, can't, I can't turn this off right now. <laughs> uh, I was so mad at it, though. Anyway. Yeah. So, well, but to be fair, I mean, her husband... Mike Guitar, whatever his last name is, is a great guitarist. He's right. renowned. He played with a lot of the blues greats, with Howlin' Wolf yeah. and Muddy Waters, I believe. Yeah. What's, which is, what's Aretha's last name, though? Yeah. Jones? <laughs> no. See, you know her last name. It's for a reason, man. <laughs> that's, that's true. But, you know, 
guitar players never get any R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> no, you're thinking of bass players. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But so then they move on and uh, they have to pick up the keyboardist who is now a maitre d'. Yeah. Yeah. And we've also seen in this movie uh, Carrie Fisher. Yeah, already. that's right. We forgot to mention Carrie Fisher showing up, watching them very creepily, and then pulling out a rocket launcher. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was I think uh, put together with styrofoam and glue. Mm-hmm. It looked so horrible. Yeah, I'm sorry to the props department in this, but you failed on that one thing. You just really failed. And she's I'm crazy. Sorry. She she they go back to Dan Aykroyd's apartment, which is like this uh, room in a flop house right next to the train. Yeah. And she detonates it with dynamite. <laughs> she does. Just as the cops are coming to arrest them, and yeah. uh, it actually helps them out. Yeah, I should say that our, our third rewatchability, uh, IJM, this is one of his favorite movies. Oh, really? Yeah, so we're just, we're just kind of shitting on it for him, and he's uh, at home being like, I can't defend it. <laughs> but uh, when I told him we were doing this, he was like, oh, there's so many good lines. Like, he mentioned the, the train passing, and uh, John Belushi asking Dan Aykroyd, like, Oh, is, does that happen often? He's like, so often you won't notice it. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some good, uh, some great lines in this movie. I looked at an apartment like that where the subway literally came out from the tunnel 15 feet from the window. Really? Yeah. Well, Jesus. I almost took it because the guy's room I was replacing had a copy of Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska in it. <laughs> I'm assuming he would have taken the record, but, you know, yeah. I just knowing that it's a safe space. <laughs> For musicians, all right. <laughs> and he would have gotten to work on time, you know. The subway's right there. That's right. Yeah. And you won't be able to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you'll always be ready. Yeah, exactly. You won't sleep through that alarm. So, yeah, so they go to get the, the maitre d'. And the maitre d', uh, it's, I don't know, it's like a Ferris Bueller setup almost. Where it's he's, pretty much the same deal. Yeah, where he's kind of like in a ritzy restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, and... John Belushi hounds a rich guy about sleeping with his daughters, uh, which is oh yeah, uh, that's that's uncomfortable. That was creepy. Yeah, yeah, that was that must have been fun for everyone in the room. You know, it was such a weird thing in the eighties how pivotal disruptions in snooty restaurant scenes were for film. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, I don't know, I don't know what these characters can do. They uh, yeah. they got us, they got to do this at the end. We've done this at the beginning. How are we going to fill up? There's other 60 minutes. Okay, they go to a fancy restaurant. <laughs> it could be a little They are not shoe. wearing jackets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then even the 90s, you know, you have a big, big restaurant, you know. Okay, so they have the band back together. They still need instruments. Yeah. So they go to the pawn shop. Oh, yeah. That's Get a, a little scene. bit of Ray Charles. Yeah, that's awesome. Who's great. Yeah, he's, yeah. And I fucking love Ray Charles. <laughs> I love him because of Pepsi. <laughs> because you like Pepsi? That's why you like Ray Charles? Do you remember in the 80s or 90s, he was the face of Pepsi? Just for the taste of it, ow! Are you... I th- <laughs> Wait, that's Diet Coke. I think I think he might have been really high. No, no, it's, it sounds like the 80s. It sounds like the 80s. He was in a Pepsi commercial. In fact, yeah. Aretha Franklin was in a Pepsi commercial, too. Oh All God. of your favorite Pepsi spokespeople are in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about the Blues Brothers trading in another culture. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Pepsi? <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, so yes, they they finally get the guy on board because they bully him and and they ruin his job. They get him fired. Yeah. 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 And then they go around and they try to get the biggest concert going ever where they go with their cop car with a, you know, speaker on the top of it. They go around and they're like, "Hey, the Blues Brothers are playing." You're, before they do that, they yeah. go to their first gig at the Country Bar. Oh, yeah, okay. Country Bob's Country Barn or whatever. Right. Which it's a pretty funny scene. Yeah, it's a, it's a I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a nothing scene to me though because I don't know what comes of it. I don't know how they how does the plot get forwarded at all. Well, let know. me tell you. 
the band is not impressed that they have to play the fucking country bar and consider quitting if they don't get their shit together. Right. Okay. So there's a little bit of stakes, tension. Yeah, 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 it raises the stakes a little yeah. bit. They also get the country guys after them. Yeah, that's right. The the good old boys, the band that they pretended that they were yeah. so that they could play this crummy gig. We should also say at this point there's Nazis after them. There is also Nazis after yeah. them. Good old boys, Nazis. And, and the head Nazis from the Burbs. Yeah, Henry Gibson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They attract the ire of the Nazis because they drive over a bridge that they're on and all the Nazis have to jump into the lake. Yeah, and they have that Indiana Jones line, I hate Nazis. <laughs> Which is great. Which, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. I mean, I feel watching this movie at this particular moment, I feel a little bit of joy watching the Blues Brothers fuck with the Nazis. <laughs> and kind of the good old boys. Not... Kind of the yeah, good old kind boys, of the good old too. Boys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I also like watching Carrie Fisher uh, get at them with a machine gun, too. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that part's a little bit. That part was uh, written by the uncredited screenwriter Cocaine. <laughs> Who also contributed the many car crashes, I believe. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The end and of this movie. most of John Belushi's performance. <laughs> <laughs> but they do go to this big concert at the end, and all the cops are looking for them at this time. Yeah. They convince their old manager to hook them up with the venue for one night. And so they send all the orphan children out to spread the word, and they put up posters. Curtis helps them. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the Blues Brothers go out with their Bluesmobile with a big speaker, and they're trying to attract the whole crowd and get everybody and all of that, and uh, they actually run out of gas right? before they can get to the concert. So it seems like uh, they're in trouble. And they're trying to hold the crowd, but as you know, crowds, they get, ah, ah, they want to see their performance. They're like, Aretha, Aretha, Aretha. <laughs> but there's no Aretha. <laughs> but there is a Curtis. There is a Curtis, yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, he goes out there. He gives a pretty great performance, too. Well, he oughta. He's fucking... Cab Calloway. Yeah, he's great. Which I fucking love. I love Cab Calloway. <laughs> I love Minnie the Moocher. <laughs> Though in 2019, it's inappropriate to say that a woman has a heart as big as a whale. That is not cool, <laughs> Cab. <laughs> no comparing people to animals. No, Come no. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, I read that because when they do the Minnie the Moocher scene, they all transform into, like, uh, old, you know, into, like, the Cotton Club costumes, you know? Right. yeah, yeah. With, like, the zoot. He's wearing his zoot suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bands in their photos. They have the bandstands and all the stuff set up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But apparently Cab Calloway thought that they were going to be doing his disco version of Minnie the Voucher, <laughs> which was just released in the late 70s. <laughs> oh, no. So it's like, did he show up to set? And he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? Where's the disco ball? I got my gold chains. Where's, where's the lighted floor? Come on, get in here. I just find that hilarious because the, the disco era was just so full of like, yeah, let's make this a disco song. Yeah. <laughs> Minnie yeah. the Moocher, that could be a disco song. Also, Sprock Therathrusta, that's a disco song. Yeah, there you go. Why not? <laughs> But then the Blues Brothers do. They come on. They play a show. Yeah. And it's a great show. And the money gets to the orphanage mm-hmm. on time because they have this huge car chase. Well, they they escape out the back two songs in. And yep. the band sort of holds off the crowd for a while. And a, a record executive gives them a bunch of money so that they can pay off the orphanage. And then they, like, they're racing to the tax office. Yeah. And the cops are after them. The Nazis are after them. The good old boys are after them. It's yeah, and it's extreme. It's very extreme, and uh, I mean, this is like the craziest scene in the movie with like thirty-seven cop cars crashed in a ditch. At oh. one point, the Bluesmobile, because you know it's it's a it's a special car because it has all that cop stuff in it. Right, <laughs> it fucking does a backflip. Yeah, yeah, it does a backflip. Just uh, like it's just driving and then just flips off. That's a backflip. Well, there's another point where, like, the the other car... The Nazis? The Nazis go... The Nazis drive off a ramp, and then they fl- fall from, like, a thousand feet? They had to drop that car from a fucking plane, right? It was a dead drop. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then uh, it hits the pavement, and the Blues Brothers are already, like... They, oh, no, it's very weird. But they get to the place, all the guns are on them at the end, 50 people in this place, and then they're back in prison playing some blues. 
That's right. They become the house band of Joliet Prison. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. I mean, it's it. Yeah, it is pretty great. Well, the, the orphanage gets to stay an orphanage, and mm-hmm. that school never gets built. No, so the nobody will learn. Uh, yeah, is is not there. They won't learn their orphans. Yeah, they won't learn their orphans. It's the hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't have a family, right? That's yeah, great. yeah. So yeah, so that's kind of the the Blues Brothers, right? That's the Blues Brothers, yeah. and we'll be back with more trivia and behind-the-scenes stuff after the break. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about the Blues Brothers. <laughs> you didn't know from that amazing, sick harmonica solo. <laughs> he was, you were just choking a duck at that point. I, I was actually choking a duck. <laughs> Which is not a euphemism, weirdly enough. Blaine, I have a few trivia questions for you. Yeah? I hope Hit that you're me. prepared. I hope that you know the blues. Oh, I woke up this morning. <laughs> prepared for and the then blues. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you everything. Is there a podcast blues? Because <laughs> sometimes I feel like I have the podcaster's blues. Yeah. I wake up this morning, have to fucking edit Blaine's ums and ahs. Um, really? Aww. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just did it. You set up a bit. It's mine, too. That's yeah, the okay. also, that's the real podcaster's yeah. blues. So, Blaine, big questions for you. Some of these are general knowledge. Some of them are more specifically related to the movie. So... Dan Aykroyd is one of the Blues Brothers. He plays Elwood Blues. Yes. But you may not know that he also invested in a series of blues venues. Which venues did Dan Aykroyd invest in? Uh, oh, I don't know many blues venues. Um, uh, House of Blues? You got it. <laughs> yes. That was the only one I knew. <laughs> wow. He really brought the brand recognition with that one, eh? He really did. Yeah. Yeah. That was like in the era where like every Hollywood star had to have like a restaurant chain. Right. Like there was Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Which was everyone. That was everyone, all, every Hollywood what, star. Was it, what was it? Rock and Roll Cafe? Was it called? Uh, rock and Roll Hard Rock Cafe? Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And um, that was, yeah, we had one in Toronto. Yeah, now it's a pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking people with their... Medication. <laughs> oh my God! Need to buy band aids. <laughs> no, uh, I, we had also a uh, an Ackroyd's in Kingston uh, for the longest time, which was a blues house. Was it Dan Ackroyd's blues house? It was Dan Ackroyd. It was it was just called Ackroyd's, and it sold only his vodka and it uh, and his wine. He has and, a wine too. Oh, he has a wine, <laughs> and it sold the wine. And there was a car on the side of the of the building. It was like the Ghostbusters car. Breaking out of the side of the building. Ecto one. Yeah, yeah. Can we go to Ackroyd's? <laughs> it no longer exists. It folded fairly fast, <laughs> um, and then it became. It kind of became like it was called like the breakout house or something. And so they had. They took the. They just repainted the car. <laughs> and still had it there because they're like. I mean, that's an attraction. You yeah. want people to come in for yeah. that. And yeah. now it's just called the mansion, and it's a big. Uh, it's a big music venue in uh, in Kingston. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you know. Ackroyd did start something that, uh, that be- eventually became a successful music venue. Okay, so next question. Yeah. Which TV musician was the original keyboard player in the Blues Brothers? Which TV musician? Yes, he's a musician who is frequently on television. Oh, oh, um, uh, Paul? Is it, is it the guy from, from Letterman's? Yeah, yeah, it's a guy from Letterman. Is it? Yeah, that's a, yes. Good Dave. Yes. <laughs> I only from your wording would I get that. <laughs> His laugh carries that show. Yeah, right yeah, yeah. 
He is also Canadian, like Dan Aykroyd. He was the original keyboardist. Of course, the Blues Brothers started as an SNL act. It was originally mm. put together to warm up the crowd because it's a live show, so they need yeah. to be sort of warmed up. But yeah. eventually they started doing it on the show starting in 1976. And Paul Schaefer was the keyboarder, so it had a you know a very Canadian connection to yeah. it. But he apparently got fired by John Belushi for not being uh, faithful to the Blues Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can only play in the Blues Brothers. And that's why he's not in this movie. Oh, man. He that's does weird. make a appearance in Blues Brothers 2000. Oh, that's nice. But John Belushi was dead for that one. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I heard that John Belushi used to like take a hot iron and brand people he worked with. Why wouldn't he let that guy work anywhere else? You know, fuck you, John. Anyway. Um, yeah, he was sort of a problematic uh, figure. Yeah, I think it's been long enough that I can swear at a dead man. Like that, that thing, thing that, that happens. That thing where he apparently would refuse to, uh, you know, sober up. No, perform okay. women's sketches. Like when women writers oh, right. wrote sketches for SNL, he would downplay them in rehearsal so that they didn't sound good. He'd be like, oh, no, 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 I'm participating. Oh, God. Yeah. That's brutal. It's Brutus. Yeah. A2. All right. So what's your third? Do you have a third question? I, I have a third question for you. I'm two for two, and I had never seen this movie before. I feel very, very good about this. Okay. So in the 30s. One of the performers well, in, one. <laughs> <laughs> one of the performers in this movie did a series of animated shorts with a famous cartoon lady. Which performer and which cartoon lady? Oh man. Uh, I'm gonna go cartoon lady first and that's gonna be Betty Boop. And then second, Cab Calloway's name is just in my head because you said it so much. Are you lying and pretending that you are guessing these, but... No, honestly, I'm, I, I didn't look up anything for this movie. I'm honestly just guessing. Is that is that true? That is true. Well, I mean, I don't know any other cartoon lady from the 30s. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, what are the cartoon... That's a pretty leading question. I think if, I, if, if there was a defense counsel, I'd be like, hey, excuse me. <laughs> Objection, Your Honor. <laughs> that's a leading question. <laughs> Can't you just leave it at cartoon? It could be Bugs Bunny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, Do you remember those? No. Okay, because I because I was born in like forties, so I, I just missed it. I remember when we were very young, we would get these videotapes of old cartoons for like two dollars at the Giant Tiger. Oh yeah, and they had like a whole bunch of old, mostly racist cartoons on them. <laughs> <laughs> but some of them were really amazing, With and one. Yeah, I, I remember one with, like, literal dog whistle on it. Like, it was just a dog whistling on it. That was the cartoon. <laughs> Fuck it all, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. One of them was... Uh... One of them was called Snow White, and it featured Cab Calloway and Betty Boop and a whole bunch of ghosts. And uh, he sings the song St. James Infirmary Blues. Oh, okay, yeah. And I remember this scaring the bejesus out of me. Oh, Jesus. And he also did a version of Minnie the Moocher with Betty Boop. Oh. This is so vaguely familiar. Right? Yeah. Think about old-timey animation and the song Minnie the Moocher. And yeah, totally. You've it's seen come, it. It's like a nightmare. It's coming back to me. It, it is. Like, the animation's so awful that, it, yeah. No, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Because when I when I was watching this movie, I was like, "Where? What the fuck do I know that song from?" Like, I, I have no like, I do know, I know the song, but I have never seen or heard this song before. But it was those tapes. It's such a good song. I'm not afraid. Are uh, you Bimbo? No. I love this song. I've been listening to this song for fucking years. And some of wow. other Cab Calloway's tunes as well. Reefer Man is a favorite of mine yeah. <laughs> for some reason. Right. Every day of tempo. 420. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like – I. One of the things I think is so great about this movie, which is obviously like kind of a vanity project, not that yeah. Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were big enough to be able to command the studios like that much, but just the fact that they get all of these people and have them give like 
really great performances, and they're not yeah. phoning it in. They give full performances. Well, that's that's also what's nice. It's not just about the Blues Brothers. It is giving like uh, a platform for these other. Well, they've already had a platform, but is like showcasing these other. Musicians. Well, yeah, for sure. I, play and playing tribute to them as well yeah. like and sort of bringing them i think to not the mainstream because they had their mainstream success and popularity before but sort of like bringing them back for future generations because the blues in particular like it you know it sort of died out yeah in a way and mm-hmm. it was a hard time for a lot of blues musicians right uh which they wrote great songs about yeah. <laughs> but then giving them paying them, presumably, to be in this movie. Yeah. People like, we forgot to mention, John Lee Hooker is in this, yeah. on the street, playing Boom, Boom, Boom. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg, you know. Another he, he, great blues musician. He, he needed to be in this movie because he was, he was hurting. Close Encounters of the Third Kind Blues, one of my favorite tunes. <laughs> <laughs> I got my mashed potatoes. <laughs> that was too close an encounter. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. It does have the other, like, the filmmaking cameos, too. Yes, yeah, Steven Spielberg plays the, the tax guy, right? Mm-hmm. At the end. Yeah. And, of yep. course, we mentioned Frank Oz before. Definitely. Yeah. So, it's, it's, I mean, it's nice that the Blues Brothers, this, this movie does show off and showcase the talents of all these people, which is very, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan Aykroyd <sighs> says that he got into the blues in Ottawa, which is the capital of Canada, yeah. because there was a blues club there called The Owl in French, Le Houbou. Oh, Le Bou. Le Bou, yeah. And he apparently would see all the great blues artists as they came to town. And he tells a story, apparently, that he sat in with Muddy Waters and played Little Red Rooster on the drums. Wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I didn't, that's good. You know, yeah, I mean, that's that's something. So Dan Aykroyd always had his love of blues music. He he may even love it more than he loves aliens. <laughs> my my mom was uh, was called Muddy, Muddy Waters. That was her nickname because her name is Sandy Waters. So they call her Mud and then Muddy Waters. Anyway, so I, I, that's all I knew about Muddy Waters. Because she told me that at one point. I was like, Muddy Waters must be someone because I was a kid. <laughs> So now every time I hear Muddy Waters, I'm like, great musician and pain. And <laughs> just pain for my family. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no it's fine. But she could have been a blues musician is all I'm saying, you know? Yeah? Yeah. The follow feel, in the footsteps of Muddy you, Waters, Sandy Waters. Yeah. Do you feel the blues in your soul? I, I, I don't, no. unfortunately. Yeah. And Jim Belushi, he wasn't so much a big fan of the blues until uh, later in his life when he was introduced to it by – Somebody named Curtis Salgado, who right. is who the character Cab Calloway plays, is a, a oh, okay. tribute to that person. Oh, cool. And John Belushi says that he was sort of getting tired of rock and roll and he needed something else that, uh, you know, had like some sort of energy to it, like a different right. sort of energy. Because Jim Belushi, you know, he was famously sort of part of the punk rock scene in New right. York City, uh, hardcore. He invited Fear to come on SNL mm. and they uh, were subsequently banned for life. <laughs> well, this seems like a very punk rock movie. It doesn't seem like a blues movie. Movie. It seemed like the blues movie that I would imagine would be uh, like down and out, like kind of the plot of this movie. But all the things that happen is very punk rock, like demolishing the the building and all the cop chases and like flying in the face of authority, like all that stuff. It doesn't seem very. Blue. It seems punk rock. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's I don't know, maybe a musical mashup movie in terms of uh, the tones. There might be a bit of that. To me, it seems more Gonzo. Like it just seems like it had that sort of seventies craziness that yeah. was just like let's just throw everything in there it's a lot of energy it's a lot of spectacle they hadn't figured out how to make computers do images that seemed interesting right so instead they had to just crash cars into each other yeah or build a mall on a road so that you could drive a car through it like yeah. you can see the lines of the, of the road in the mall scene <laughs> like what why is there a road in the middle of the mall that was another big trope in the 70s and 80s was car chases in mall yeah there's one in invasion usa i'm pretty sure 
Well, how long was the was the mall around before that? I feel like the mall was maybe a, a kind of new thing, this big open space with all these stores that you could uh, literally drive a car down through. So it was maybe, I don't know, maybe the, the invention of the mall. That, uh... mm. And, of course, like Dawn of the Dead, this is a comment on consumerism. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> There's so much like car chases and destruction and violence in this movie – I actually couldn't figure out whether they were into it or whether it was supposed to be satirical or yeah. whether it was just supposed to be, like, excessive. Well, that's what I'm going to say, but the tone of the movie is just that it's – it's if you're going to look at what the movie is trying to say, you look at the Blues Brothers and they're very subdued and don't take notice of anything that's happening. You know, they're driving around the mall and being like, oh, they opened up a, a Sparrow, you know? And <laughs> uh, and then the rest of the movie is flailing and crazy. So, yeah, I don't know if it's trying... Yeah, I don't know if there's any anything that's trying to say or even do because mm-hmm. the tone is so separate from itself. It, it kind of belies itself at so many different points mm-hmm. that it feels like there was... An SNL writing room full of people and two big heads at the at the starring in it right. that made this movie. Everyone made it what they wanted it to be, and it was vastly different things to everyone. Well, the screenplay was written almost completely by Dan Aykroyd. Mm. He had never written a screenplay before. Yep. Okay. Shows. And yeah. his first draft was three hundred pages. <laughs> He wrote four blues songs, though, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't write any blues songs. No, he didn't. He no. Did. I forgot to mention at the beginning that I actually saw, I mean, they were basically the Blues Brothers, blues brothers brother at Sarstock a million years ago. Wow. Back when Toronto had SARS, which was a respiratory illness, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd helped to organize a big concert with the Rolling Stones. I remember that. They were like, uh, Toronto has this respiratory illness. Why don't we make everyone pass out in a field together? It was No one had water. It was like the There worst. was not enough water. <laughs> it was intense, but fucking... I just realized this morning that I've seen Rush. I forgot. I was like... Oh, yeah, Rush was at that concert. Oh, man. If we could get Rush on the podcast. That would be amazing. Anyone from Rush. But Dan Aykroyd and uh, Jim Belushi, John Belushi's brother, played a set early in the afternoon as Have Love, Will Travel Review. Oh, wow. The Have Love, Will Travel Review. But no John Goodman. No John Goodman, yeah, who was the sort of John John Belushi replacement (laughs) in Blues Brothers 2000. John, Jim Goodman, John... uh, There's so many Jims and Johns. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, it was lame. It was a bad performance. (laughs) And I think that's why I I never saw Blues Brothers until very late, because it was was bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never never really saw it, because it was all my friend's dad's favorite movies. Yeah. And I always... Sometimes they were just like, it's the best comedy you'll ever see. Like, if you want to... If you want to be in this industry, you got to see it, kid. And I was like, you don't know this. Anyway, so I, I never watched it kind of maybe out of spite for my friend's dance. Mm-hmm. I was like, you love it way too much. And you'll have other things I don't like. So, One thing that I do love about this movie is the cast of the band. Like the band, they're all real musicians. They're not actors. And they are people who played on a lot of the really seminal records mm-hmm. of the blue soul and R&B era. Like, yeah. the bassist, of course, was Donald Duck Dunn. Right. And the guitarist, Steve I should have Cropper. noticed because he never wore any pants. Never wore any pants. Yeah, I should have known. <laughs> yeah. They were both part of Booker T and the MGs. Oh, yeah. They were the house band of Stax Records. Okay. And so they played on songs like Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Oh, damn. They played on all of the Sam and Dave tunes that right. the Blues Brothers listened to on their car. Right, yeah. Like, Bam played on the original Soul Man. Right. And then That's Dan Aykroyd would That's go fun. on to ruin that song by making a terrible TV show called it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, I, I mean, that's amazing. And I, I love that they did so much research and they actually did pay homage to the blues. Mm-hmm. And the Blues Brothers band continued after this movie. Like, yes, there is the Blues Brothers 2000 sequel, which was also directed by John Landau, features John Goodman, features a lot of the original cast of the first Blues Brothers movie. Aretha comes back. 
Yeah. I think Ray Charles comes back if he was still alive. Yeah. Cab Calloway comes back. Wow. Everybody. So I haven't seen it. I assume it's bad. (laughs) Well, maybe it's something we should do on a podcast someday. But the Blues Brothers did continue to do albums even after John Belushi died. And so they would get uh, guest singers in. But it was all the same guys. Like the band came back together and performed and kept performing. And then even on some of their solo records, like on Steve Cropper's solo record, he would have like the Blues Brothers band play on certain tracks. So it became like a ongoing thing for these people. It wasn't just like a gig and then they fuck off and do, you know, the real thing. Right. They seemed to actually enjoy being Blues Brothers, despite the fact that these guys were the fucking real deal in the first place. Well, you missed out, Paul Schaefer. You could have been famous. You could have had a really long gig. Yeah, yeah, famous. Famous, Dave. Yeah, you could have had a really long gig that paid well, but... Uh, Get paid, yeah. But you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so did you did you think the movie was rewatchable? Because you're the only one that's, that's rewatched this out of the two of us. When you first saw it, you really didn't like it. Seeing it again uh, with kind of a fresh eye, what, what, was, what was your findings? I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I think it is a really big celebration of the blues, mm. of music, of brotherhood, of friendship, of car crashes, of explosions. Right. I love Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I love she, that she just shows up and blows stuff up. She's in four scenes in this movie, and it's not very much. But when she's on screen, you're like, ah, Carrie Fisher is so funny. Yeah. This movie does not pass the Bechdel test. No. Get Carrie Fisher talking to Aretha. I, well, they got yeah. shit to say. Yeah, the the two women in the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the two women. Hey, you forgot Twiggy. Oh, yeah. Twiggy is also in the movie as somebody who is inexplicably in love with Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So of the three women that are in the movie, none of them aren't attached to a man. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it's pretty bad. This is like such like a, like a bro movie. There's no women in their band. They don't even have female backup singers. No. Come on. And you had Aretha there. Anyway. She's that's not my... singing backup. Uh, no, I know. If anyway. they got Aretha, it would be called Aretha Franklin featuring the Blues Brothers. And I think everyone would be fucking fine with that. <laughs> yeah, She's maybe. so good. Anyway, yeah. I, I'd say it's, it's a pretty solid movie. Looking back on it, like I can see why at the time people really loved it because it was so chaotic and probably something very new and starred – people that were rising stars on the comedy scene and you're like oh yes mm. like they're me and and I'm watching them rise up in the comedy scene that's great I'm John Belushi yeah. I'm going to be great and live forever <laughs> and I'm Dan Aykroyd uh-huh. <laughs> um, and so I can understand why my friends and dads love this movie but I really I appreciated a lot of the scenes in this movie and a lot of the songs for sure and there were great jokes it didn't really come together for me, and I'm gonna and we're gonna get some mail on this. But Dang. I don't I don't know if it's the most rewatchable movie. I don't. I think if you've seen it once and you loved it, it's it's a great movie and continue to love it. But I think watching it again, especially after you listen to this podcast, you're gonna be like, ah, oh, shit, they're right. Like the there's no characters really for anyone. And, yeah, I mean, my criticisms are that. There's nothing really between the Blues Brothers. They're like an entity. They're yeah. not. It could have been Blues Brother. It could have been Blues Brother. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any sort of conflict between them or no. like individuality, really. So there's no arc to their relationship, and we can't really get invested in like mm-hmm. who they are and what they want. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not really about anything. Like, mm-hmm. there's no like theme or moral or yeah. anything. Like, like, they don't have to overcome yeah. their. Whatever. It just sort of happens. However, I sort of think that's okay. I, I, the way that this movie sort of comes together, like I use the word gonzo, I think that that's a quality that is okay in right. a movie. And maybe like in certain circumstances, like we don't need to have a contrived character arc between the Blues Brothers where they have a falling out and then one goes away. Sure. I mean, if it's bad, we won't like it. But if it's good, we'll love it. Well, yeah. I mean, but the elements here, like, as you're on the journey, are all good. You've got right. the music. You've got the comedy. You've got... Uh, Aretha. You've got Aretha. You've got car crashes. You've got Nazis getting punished. 
Right. What else do you want? Yeah. A bunch of soggy Nazis is what you get. A bunch of soggy Nazis. So I think it's a good movie. I think it's rewatchable. I would like to see something like this movie happen today. Like I think that there is – it would be really amazing to see something that was like a celebration of music that was like mm. a big spectacle that had like comedy, all of that. I think it would be great. So who do you think for the new Blues Brothers? Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver? <laughs> wow, that's actually a pretty good – Cast. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Oscar Isaac can fucking sing. You can fucking sing. Yeah, and Adam Driver did play with him in that one, uh, in that one scene in that movie. Space. <laughs> yeah, I mean that could that could be really good. Dan got... Aykroyd, if you're still listening, Maybe... call us. We'll make this movie. <laughs> Real. Yeah. Call us and then call Adam Driver and Oscar Isaac, and uh, they'll hang they, up on you when they get the money. We'll make this movie. It'll be great. <laughs> so that's rewatchability for the week. Thank you for listening. Blaine, do you want to play us out? <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> okay, stop the playing. <laughs> Where you can give us a review if you like the podcast, and uh, you can also get every episode straight to your phone or wherever you listen to things. Mm-hmm. Also, you can go to Patreon if you want to give us a little bit of money. Don't forget, go to Tee Public and get a rewatchability t-shirt. Maybe your t-shirt's been stolen, and that's why you have the blues. That's why you have the blues. Oh, my t-shirt was stolen. Gotta <laughs> go on the internet. Gotta go to teepublic.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.